0: Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it, and 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray.
0: And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships.
1: Check us out online at couplesynergy.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for over 15 years.
0: You know, everyone tells you you have to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to help you create the relationship you've always dreamed of with the partner you fell in love with.
1: In a previous episode, we did a topic called The Three Yellow Flags in Relationships. And today, what we'll be talking about are the red flags in a relationship. Yeah, red ones. And so, th- this might be a little bit more self explanatory.
0: Obviously, red, danger. Right.
1: right. Red flag is obviously something that is, you know, really big. War- not even a warning; it's uh, toxic, toxic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and that's how we define a toxic relationship: is that they have these red flags in the
0: relationship. E- even one makes it toxic.
1: Absolutely mm-hmm. right. And so let's just uh, we'll just kind of run through the red flags, and then we'll talk about each one. How about that? So uh, the red flags in relationships are addiction abuse, infidelity, and contempt.
0: Yeah, especially contempt.
1: Especially contempt. Um, But the first one, addiction. You know, addiction is, it's actually contraindicated uh, when you're doing any couple's work if a current addiction is present. Right. And that's just, just because you're not really dealing with the person.
0: Right, they're not authentic, they're not safe. They're not a safe person to be vulnerable with, and couples work requires you to let your guard down and become vulnerable.
1: Yeah, the addiction really takes over, and that's really the what you're talking to, you know, is the addiction that's present, and and they're not really, you know, in that presence of mind to really do any work on themselves or their relationship.
0: You know, addiction is. Um, you know, people think of alcoholic or drug abusers things like that but you can also have a real codependent relationship which is still in that form of addiction
1: or any of the process addictions like gambling or pornography addiction sex addictions right okay food addictions i think is is also considered one of the process addictions
0: yeah i think i think the biggest part of it is the the lying You know, you're just showing two different faces. You're showing the world one face and then you're doing something else. And so you can't be in a relationship with someone who's half there or falsely there.
1: Or just not being authentic. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't really know what to trust. You don't really know who you're talking to.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's very confusing. I have always find it interesting when people are in a relationship with an addict of any sort And they don't really trust or believe themselves. I know this one woman, she would take pictures. She would find bottles of, you know, like vodka or something in a bookshelf and she'd take a picture and she always wanted to show me and she would show her husband and he would say, oh, that's old. That was six months ago. I'm not drinking, you know, and and that other person, it's they're getting gaslighted so much that they stop believing what they're seeing with their own eyes.
1: You know, um, DivorceLawFirms.com, they posted some statistics about addictions and divorce. It was very interesting because they said that those who suffer with addictions marry at the same rate as those who are addiction-free. However, they divorce at a rate four times the normal rate of the general population.
0: I believe it. And I think often it's the addict that leaves... And, you know, it's really interesting is even when someone goes and gets help, if their partner doesn't also get help because it's a systems problem, then they'll leave the person who ends up getting sober because they don't have a job, they don't have something to fix anymore.
1: They actually report that there is a high rate of divorce after the person gets sober, right? right? Because reason. there's a change. Mm-hmm. You know, there's typically um, someone who is an addict in a relationship their partner has to take on, you know, kind of a a corresponding role, Mm -hmm. you know. And so typically they do form these codependent relationships. And so if the person who is the addict gets sober, well, their partner really doesn't know what to do with themselves. They don't know how to show up in the relationship now. Right. You know, and so the the things that, that kept them together or brought them together, they don't exist anymore. Right. And so it, it really is a challenge for both people to evolve, you know, and, and their relationship to evolve with it. And that's a very difficult thing to do.
0: Right. And what we know about the law of attraction is that like attracts like. So if you're in a relationship with someone who has an addiction, then you also have to work on yourself because you're, you're at that same level of health and finding out whatever that is.
1: And and when we say like attracts like, it doesn't mean that you have an addiction, right? But the fact that you have the corresponding uh, aspect to the addiction and, and the struggles that the the addict is going through,
0: right, the same level of health, right, or dysfunction, right, right. self esteem is is a really big piece of mm-hmm. of being in relationship with with addictions.
1: Yeah, there there is a reason why AA they really support the fact not to have any change in your life for mm-hmm. the first year. And that includes starting a relationship, you know, or leaving a relationship. I mean, they, they say that there really shouldn't be any major change. Right. And and that's just because the, the person who is in recovery has to focus 110% on themselves. They have to figure out where they begin, where they end. They have to figure out who they want to be. It's, it's a complete makeover, and you can be easily influenced by other people, especially relationships.
0: Yeah, anyone out there who has been able to get sober, you know, a lot of kudos to you. It's a very, very difficult thing to do, and it takes a lot of energy and effort, and it's so worth it, and really proud of you if you've been able to shake an addiction. It's, it's a really hard thing.
1: A- absolutely. I, I tell... Um, all of the people that I've worked with that have addictions that, you know, I, I believe someone who struggles with an addiction is one of the most intelligent people uh, because they not only have to lie to everyone else, they have to lie to themselves.
0: Yeah. You know, shame is such a, a big factor of addiction, which is why programs like AA are useful because you can go and you can talk about the things that you've been keeping a secret because, shame dictates that you keep it a secret. And to the degree that you keep those things a secret is how much power they have over your life. So if you're in the middle of an addiction and you need some help, there's a lot of great resources out there. and Go out and find it.
1: So the second red flag that we mentioned is abuse, whether it's physical or whether it's emotional. This is a uh, another contraindication when doing couples work. And that is why it uh, deserves a red flag. Um, It it sounds self-explanatory, but I, I think it's a very serious one since the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence reports that more than 10 million women and men are physically abused by an intimate partner in the US.
0: I think it's hard to know sometimes if you're in an abusive situation. One of the things that I've heard recently from several clients, which really breaks my heart, is that they were being videotaped unknowingly while having sex, and their partner was uploading it to um, some apps on the internet. And, you know, once they found out, I don't even think their reaction was appropriate. You know, they were kind of like, don't do that, or show me first, or something like that, when really that's a major major a violation. violation.
1: huge violation, right?
0: And and so it's very difficult to ascertain if you are being in an, an abused relationship because it also requires your self-esteem to be in a place where you either participate or don't feel like you can stand up for yourself to, you know, get out of it or or that you have the right to the feelings that you're having.
1: I I would say that if you are second guessing yourself or you're questioning then it it requires a deeper look, right? Absolutely. And and that there is a reason why you Mm -hmm. are questioning it.
0: You know, one of the things when I'm working with someone in the second session, I'm always asking them to bring in a list of resentments, right? And especially for women, it's very difficult for them to allow themselves to feel resentment. And they always have a whole bunch of excuses about why those things happened and the rationalization for that and that, you know, it's it doesn't happen all the time or they were in a particularly bad mood or they didn't do something right. And there's really none of that rationalization is warranted. It, it's no. not okay.
1: No, it, it it is absolutely not okay. And, you know, we, we should say here that if you are in a an abusive situation in your relationship, we highly encourage you to call the National Domestic Violence Hotline. I'm going to give that number right now just so that everyone has that. It's 800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. This is a really, really serious issue in relationships. It breaks down to one in three women, one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence, and this includes behaviors such as pushing, shoving, slapping, which, you know, most often people don't consider that as physical violence. They, as Gene, as, as you said, they just kind of explain it away or try to rationalize it, right, or make excuses for it. But there really is no excuse for it. And, you know, if this is occurring in the relationship, and nothing is being done about it, or there aren't being, there aren't boundaries being set, you know, then it is just only going to get worse. The behavior is going to continue. It's going to escalate. And you're going to find yourself in a situation where your power is just null and void.
0: Yeah, the pattern kind of goes like, you know, you're kind of surprised at the reaction of your partner. And they have an an intense reaction to something that you've done that is actually pretty benign. And then the whole conflict arises and, and whatever happens in that drama, once that settles down, the other person tends to be on their best behavior, be apologetic, and all the pain that you're in from being in the conflict or from suffering from that abuse, it feels so much better. And these type of relationships have high highs and low lows, and there's a lot of passion in those relationships, but there's a preoccupation with wondering what's going on with your partner and what type of mood they're going to be in, and if you really can let your guard down and feel safe. So if you find yourself really preoccupied with what your partner is feeling or how they're going to react, you need to take another look at what's going on in your relationship.
1: So, again, very much like addiction, there is no work that can be done in the relationship because there is no safety. You are not allowed, you, you are not able to be vulnerable in front of your partner. Your partner is not able to be vulnerable in front of you. And so, because of that, the relationship cannot grow, it takes precedence. The abuse, the addiction takes precedence and needs to be dealt with in order for the couple to create an environment of safety and security so that each person can be vulnerable with each other and, and grow from that.
0: And if you attempt to do couples work when you're in the middle of a relationship that's really toxic, actually it can make the situation worse. That person that is in the abusive or, or in the power position can gain more information in which to hold over your head or use against you. And so you want to be very careful with that. So make sure you're working with someone who understands these dynamics and can keep you safe in the treatment process as well.
1: Absolutely. If you're working with a professional, you have to make sure that they have experience in working with domestic violence, um, and, you know, definitely ask about their credentials and, you know, who, um, who they've worked with in the past. When it comes to the third red flag of infidelity, um, we, I have to say that we did an entire episode on infidelity, mm-hmm. right? And so you know, we gave a lot of statistics with a lot of background, you know, about infidelity in the US and, and you know, some of the trends that we were seeing. Um, some of the things that we we didn't kind of dive deeper in here was the demographics of cheating in America, based on some of the studies done by the Institute for Family Studies. Okay, and these are pretty interesting statistics here um, that men reported cheating more than women. Mm-hmm. That sounds like you know, <laughs> yeah, kind of self evident, but. Um, But blacks reported cheating more than whites and Hispanics. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: In fact, Hispanics uh, reported cheating less than the two other uh, racial categories.
0: Hispanics is the least.
1: Least. Correct. Um, Ages 35 to 64 and 65 plus reported cheating more than age group 18 to 34.
0: Mm, That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, Democrats reported more infidelity than Republicans and independents. Hmm.
0: That's interesting.
1: And those that did not grow up with both parents reported cheating more than those that grew up with both parents.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: And then those that only attended religious service once a year or less reported cheating more than those that attended more frequently. You know, these are very interesting. hmm you know as far as the demographics in America when it comes to infidelity but infidelity along with abuse and addiction are all contraindicated when it comes to couples work mm-hmm. right cuz they take they take precedence right, know, over it's, the it's relationship not safe, it's not it's safe, not safe. Yeah. the each person isn't able to be vulnerable with the other they're not there's no authenticity You know, you cannot do any work in helping each person share with each other their thoughts, their feelings, because they're guarded and rightfully so. Right, they need to be guarded.
0: You know, I think it's important to talk about infidelity in the the different categories of someone who really is not able to bond with another human being and is a serial cheater versus someone who the relationship has eroded to a point where needs aren't getting met and they're looking outside of the relationship even though they are very much in love with their partner and it's more of a symptom of the condition of the relationship. So sometimes the an affair can be the uh, catalyst for a couple to actually heal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that clarification because there is a big difference, right? And, you know, to kind of, Uh, tie that in with the previous red flag of abuse. You know, we need to make a distinction between a couple that gets into a fight and escalates and, you know, things are thrown or doors are slammed, you know, and maybe there is a a pushing and shoving that happens, but this isn't a serial event that occurs.
0: Or or a power play.
1: Or a power play or you know, something that, yeah, power play meaning that there's this uh, power differential, Mm -hmm, right? right. Where one person is controlling the other and using physical abuse or emotional abuse to put that person, quote unquote, in their place.
0: Right. Because, you know, we all fight from our reptilian brain, our hind brain, which is very reactive. And when we're in that reactive place, we very often don't Really say appropriate things or do appropriate things because we are literally in fight or flight. Right. And so that doesn't mean that your partner's a bad person if they do a bad thing in a very intense, stressful situation. It's really if there's a pattern.
1: Right. And to tie in the first red flag also of addiction, you know, we meet, need to make the distinction between, you know, a, a person who has the Actual characteristics of addiction versus someone who is, you know, maybe using a little, using more. A little bit right. more because they're going through a stressful time mm-hmm. in their life or something, right? Because the amount a person uses does not mean that they have an addiction. It doesn't correlate with that. We, we don't, in the field of psychology, uh, we don't define addiction based on how much a person is using we define it on how it is impacting their life, right? One, are they needing more and more of the same substance in order to get the same effect? You know, two, is it affecting their their personal life in the area of finances, their relationship, legal trouble? You know, et cetera. Their physical health. Their physical health, and so all of this, this you know, these different criteria. That is what. Uh, determines whether a person has an addiction or whether they are just abusing, you know, during a, a a stressful time in their life.
0: You know, if you're confused about it, attempt to have a conversation with your partner. If your partner is willing to entertain a conversation, then you're in a place where you can work on things. If they are being evasive or very reactive and push, and giving you a lot of pushback, then you're into more of a toxic relationship. And if you do find that you are in a, in a position where the other person does want to have a conversation and wants to feel better and wants to repair things, then that's actually a great opportunity to get some help and work on your relationship.
1: With the uh, the last red flag of contempt, you know, this is, um, this, is a, this is a very toxic piece in a relationship.
0: Oh, they call it uh, corrosive.
1: Corrosive is that's yeah, a good word.
0: Like it like rust. It just rusts mm, away that's a good word. the connection, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, and, and John Gottman, he is um, you know, a leading researcher when it comes to couples. Forty years and, of research and relationships. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um
0: He said this is the biggest indicator.
1: He believes that this is the leading contributor to yeah. to divorce. Right. Uh contempt. And it is extremely destructive.
0: It's where one person sees themselves as all good and the other person is all bad. There's name-calling. There is uh, belittling. There's shaming. All, all sorts of things that are really, really toxic. And they actually wear down another human being.
1: They look at their partner with disdain. They see them as less than yeah. or subordinate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a form of emotional abuse Yep, and indicates that the person exhibiting this behavior has, has accumulated a large amount of negativity and vehemence about their partner.
0: You know, our brains are actually designed to look for negative things. It's designed to look for potential threats. And so if you are stuck in that place and all you're seeing is the negative then the problem is actually within yourself as the observer, mm-hmm. not necessarily within the relationship. If it is the relationship, you should just leave. Right. Rather than have so much contempt for your partner. But if it's your inability to perceive positivity, that's where you're actually the one that's being more toxic.
1: You know, a lot of times the the contempt in a relationship, it just increases over time. And I, I'm sure... You all have been around someone uh, or a couple that shows that contempt in public. Maybe their partner says something, you know, socially, and they start to roll their eyes, right? Or I they really? make some type of sarcastic.
0: Like, are you going to eat that?
1: Right. Right. You know, there's. Are you
0: wearing that shirt again? Judgment. Yeah. And, or it's just dig after dig,
1: dig after dig, and then they try to tie everybody else into it too. Mm-hmm. They say, "Can you can you believe that he wants to wear that? Oh my god!" Right. right? It's it's a lot of judgment and just it's dripping with sarcasm and and criticism as well. And it's very demeaning, right? Absolutely. And it is meant to put their partner in their in their place, which is subordinate to them. Mm-hmm. And once someone starts seeing their partner in this contemptuous way, it's really difficult for them to change it. Yeah. Right? They have to want to change it. They have to want to see something different.
0: Because it, they're they're feeding on it, and and that feeding on it becomes, you know, like very addictive.
1: Right. But because they built some case in mm-hmm. their head yeah. about who their partner is, yeah. you know, and in comparison, they make themselves out to be better than that.
0: Right. And so if we go back to this this law of attraction that like attracts like and people that are attracted to each other are equally as intelligent and equally as attractive and equally as wounded, so it's really important to ask yourself the question, if you are dissatisfied with who your partner is, you should ask yourself, what does it mean about me that I'm choosing to hang around a person like you? because it's a, it's a reflection of something, always. We have never seen a relationship that has not been 50-50.
1: Right, each person contributes equally to the condition of the marriage and the relationship.
0: Right, and so if, if you're on either end of that where you are the person with the contempt, you really wanna take a hard look at yourself about why it is that you can't see goodness in a person that you fell in love with and married. Like at some point in your life, that person was the person in your world. And for you to get that far away says a lot about yourself and your own personal journey and where you are at and the work that you need to do. It says much more about you and your ability to perceive than It says about your partner.
1: We have a a really awesome podcast that's coming up on Thursday, (laughs) which is kind of a double header. Yeah. Right. And, and we're just kind of, you know, this is a, a Labor Day special, special. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this is coming out on Labor Day, but um, the doubleheader is coming out on Thursday and is really coincides with what we're talking about here as far as red flags. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the first couple that we interview, um, they had like the trifecta. I absolutely. Think. Absolutely. Right?
0: Addiction, I- abuse. Affairs, infidelity, infidelity,
1: and I, I think they had uh, sprinkle in some contempt.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure, absolutely, right. and you they know, made it through.
1: That is the most amazing right. part of it. Yeah, right. Yeah. That with all of that, those red flags that are going on in the relationship, they were able to, you know, uh, rectify it. They were able to recover from that. Yeah, and and that they are still here today. Uh, married, and they they're telling their story on Thursday.
0: Yeah, the mo- the majority of the the toxicness that they went through happened about fifteen years ago, and they've they got to a point where they were able to overcome it and create a solid relationship after that, which is crazy, which is awesome, which is a really difficult thing to do.
1: And you know, you just kind of have to bear with us because the as I say, a d- double header. Um, the episode is two hours long. Yeah. Because after interviewing the first couple, her
0: sister, sister mm-hmm.
1: and husband join the podcast, right? And her sister's husband is Jean's cousin.
0: Yep. Cousin so Mike. It, it's very <laughs> it,
1: it's it's really awesome. Um, I hope you guys can you know join us on Thursday and listen to the podcast and and really just kind of listen for the red flags that we were talking about in today's episode.
0: You know, another interesting thing that you can listen for is because these women are sisters, you can see the impact of their upbringing and how and how it played out within their relationships and and what the work they needed to do to overcome that so they could have healthier relationships, which is kind of cool, at least for us. (laughs) That's what we like to look for.
1: And for any of you out there that may think that you have red flags going on your relationship, please seek help, find some professionals that be able to work with you and you know help you in either leaving the relationship or helping you and your partner try to change things in the relationship so that it isn't as toxic as it is.
0: There's a lot of um, online surveys you can take. and and the thing I like about the surveys is look at what the question is asking you. Because it's teaching you what those behaviors are, that if those are happening, that that's why it's toxic. So that's a good resource. There's a lot of online surveys.
1: We actually have our own online survey mm-hmm. on couplesynergy.com that you can take. Um, and it also kind of goes through the different flags, whether it's a yellow flag, red flag, and blue flags we haven't talked about right. yet. Right. Um, so stay tuned. Um, and subscribe to our podcast and we will um, hopefully have an episode down the line we'll definitely have for an sure. episode yeah. down the line about blue flags yeah. okay. so we want to thank you so much for joining us today and listening to Couple Synergy
0: and we hope that by listening to this podcast it's benefited your life and your relationship
1: for all of you listening please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on iTunes we would really appreciate that uh, if you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, uh, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com.
0: And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. by Gina Gonzalez.